there has always been a stereotype that black people don't swim. But we are here to tell you that we do and we are good at it. I am Coach Adrian. I'm Dr. Shira. We are the hosts of the Swim Culture Podcast. We want everyone to know that aquatics has always been a part of the black culture and experience since the beginning of time. From scuba diving to fishing to the Olympics and surfing, we have done it all and are still doing it. Make sure you tune in and dive into the culture. The Swim Culture. Hey everybody, welcome to the Swim Culture Podcast. We are back with another episode. Um, I'm Dr. Ashira. I'm Coach Adrian, And we're excited to um, be back with you all today. Um, so, and we have a, an amazing guest that we are going to have on the show today. Um, and we are going to talk about skincare and, and, and all of that and how it relates to aquatics. And so, but first, let's just talk about, you know, what's been going on with us. Adrian, what's been going on with you? This past week, this past week, um, I took off. No clients. Mm-hmm. I needed a break, so we took a trip to the beach. My son and I went to the beach, and it was pretty good. It was a, it was, it was pretty good. I went down to Hilton Head. I've never been there. Hilton Head is 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 nice. I've never. I don't. Been. You haven't been there before. That was your first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of private beaches. Um. It was very bright. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it with this, you know, with all this going on. It was actually really ideal because our condo that we had, it was like mm-hmm. literally I walked from the beach to the house with no shoes on. So yeah. that, that is awesome. Yeah. How close that was. And then the yeah. pool was in our backyard, like the patio. So we could literally walk right out and just open a pool gate. So that was pretty good. Yeah, because you know, in light of these COVID days, right? Um, exactly, it was a lot. You don't of need time. to be, and I really, I'm logging to go to the beach. I'm trying to convince my husband to just take a trip to the beach, but he's like, "No, nah, do that." So I'm, um, <laughs> I'm like, it'll be, I think it'll be okay. I think I actually but, felt safe. I mean, you know, because going back to our conversation with Dr. Williams, mm-hmm. and he was telling us the difference between open water and pool water during the time of yes. COVID. And honestly, yeah. I felt better at the beach than I did yeah. at the pool. I'm still been a little apprehensive at the pools. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and, but I I like the Florida, like, Gulf beaches better than the Atlantic side. And so I want to make my way, but I just know Florida is, like, that ultimate hot spot right now. And I just, Yeah, you don't need to go down there. Furthermore, the Gulf is in a storm. I didn't know that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, nevertheless, they have beautiful beaches, and um, they do though. They really do. Yeah, they do. And so, um, but you know what though? You knock in North Carolina because y'all have some really nice beaches, like up the, like up the coast. Like not, you know, we're not talking southern. Like I'm talking like going up to um, Outer Banks. No, that that's a nice beach, but it's still Atlantic. Like you get the nice white sandy, you know. In the Gulf, and it's like, white sand like and got white horses. huh? It's white sand, and it got white horses. That's like so. Um, the beach out, the beach I went to, you know. So remember how it, we were it's like it's like the shells ain't all broke up yet and, and turned into sand yet, and so you standing on 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 shells and stuff, and it's hurting well, your feet. There were no shells at Hilton Head. Now that bothered me. Where were the shells? I don't know. 
I was like, I was as I was walking. You want the shares? But I'm saying that makes me feel like it's not authentic. Uh, I don't want them. I need to be all ground up. I need we to be laid, we I need at. to be able to lay comfortably, you know, on the on the towel and not have shells oh, well, on my feet. Yeah, no, I my parents had a um a t- uh, timeshare in at Hilton Head, so I've been there several times. But I like it. It is secluded. It, you know, it's a lot of uh, timeshares and condos and stuff. So it's it's a nice place to go. Yeah, um, but yeah, so but for me, you know, I'm preparing for school to start um and i'm teaching my you know preparing to teach my i need to get one of the face shields that you be having um because <laughs> hair store. yeah we're, we're going back hair store? okay yeah. i need to do that yeah and so um just so teaching my classes and then diversity and aquatics there's a lot of stuff going on well, a lot yeah, of meetings this week with meetings so it's kind yeah, of like a lot of meetings have clients it was a lot of other stuff going on yeah yeah so but other than that, everything has been good. I'm just, I want this COVID situation to go away as soon as possible. I feel I need some socialization. I need to get around white people and like, I don't know. I'm tired of it. So, anyway. So this week we also lost two greats. We lost mm-hmm. uh, John Lewis and um, Mr. Vivian. Mm-hmm. From here in Atlanta, so how do you feel about that? What do you think is going to happen? Like, like how do you think? So I read this article on CNN the other day, and it was basically saying that um, there are no more like civil rights leaders left, mm-hmm. and it might be a good thing. And in the article, they kind of explained John Lewis uh-huh. and role and how like say Black Lives Matter or basically just the younger generation, how they view him and they look up to him as not really a civil rights leader, but more as an activist mm-hmm. who kind of kept the work going. Cause you know, we always talk about, you know, people have nice thoughts, but they don't do the work. And so I thought that was interesting. So what you think about I do think that um, there needs to be a passing of the torch um, and that a lot of like the symbolic gestures and symbolism that's happening when it comes to, you know, black issues. Like, I think it just, again, I always go to like the systematic, like things that need to happen. It needs to be tangible things. I think we need to be specific when it comes to which groups need what and what which experiences groups each group has had because everybody isn't the same. Right. Um, and so I have my own personal views on like the Congressional Black Caucus and you know and and some of these politicians, black politicians who have been in I, I don't I, I don't know if I think it's been like a lot of symbolic things because economically, statistically we are aren't we haven't progressed like i i think they would have liked to back like in the civil rights and so i think there is change that needs to happen and change is necessary change is hard people don't like it so then time sometimes people are forced into retirement and stuff like that and 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 don't and i think that i remember uh listening to um I think it was CNN or something. They were talking about how he was bringing up uh, like a predecessor or, you know, someone to succeed him in 
you know, what he was doing. So I think that that is necessary and needs to happen. Um, I don't know if I can't say for sure if it did or not, but that's where I stand with it. There is a new lady who's taken his place in Congress in this district. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then what are they going to do? And then I think we need to hold these politicians to definitely to hold them accountable, accountable. Like, what are we, what are you going to, what are we getting in return for voting for you and putting you in office for it? Like, and being your constituents. Cause What's you know what I'm pleased of, I'm, I'm really pleased with, I'm really pleased with, um, Keisha Lance Bottoms. You, okay. I like, I like her. I like her. Mm-hmm. Stance. I like that. She's mm-hmm. not backing down. Cause you know, mm-hmm. When people get she's gonna sue, wall, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. When yeah. they get pushed against the wall, their tune changes. Hers didn't, mm-hmm. and that's what I really liked about it. Like she's still, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, it is what it is. You know, it's not even political at this point. It's humanistic, and I like that she uses her humanism. That's what I can say. Humanity. Humanity. No. Okay, <laughs> but I just i I do want it to be like we. We're sticking to our guns. We're sticking to the what is, and not being. And so many are like persuaded by persuaded by lobbyists and by companies. Because one minute you'll be saying one thing, then the next minute you're saying something else. Like I don't know how to follow you. Mm-hmm. So again, I like people like Keisha Lance Bottom. She's been pretty consistent yeah. throughout of this. Yeah. And they say, like, I've been seeing, you know, like, maybe a few weeks back, they were just like, oh, she's going to, like, one of the people that Biden is considering, like, for oh, her VP Georgia right now. She can go to governor, but she doesn't need to leave Georgia. Yeah. That's you know, a whole lot of them that they talk about, but, yeah, so. Um, I'm yeah, that's what's going on. And not her leaving. I'm not ready for her to be vice president, although I think that she'll be okay, but no. Um, I actually like Stacey Abrams. Honestly, I don't. I'm me being away from Georgia, from Atlanta. I don't really know a whole lot. But again, what is she? For my thing, I'm. I'm. What is she doing for Black people? I don't know. That's see what you saying. That that's why I think she'll be good because I think she'll make sure that that bail is still. Oh no, I don't really I know you don't trust the government people, but I I would like to hope that we will have a Black woman. Mm-hmm. You know, and that yeah. off of a different energy than yeah. black man, and not women just, just give a different you know. energy anyway, huh? Like, yeah. Women just give a different energy anyway. They do, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I kind of was looking for a little feminine energy in the White House. Yeah, we needed some people to calm these men. Like right now, I think if there was a real woman in there, I don't think this COVID thing would have went that far. What you think? How do you think it would have went down a woman in the in there? Like, I think she would have been, you know, think about a mother when you realize that somebody in the household is sick. Everybody mm-hmm. has to take the medicine. Everybody mm-hmm. has to take precautions because yeah. that's the entire your household. So as a mother, you start thinking about things from a grand scheme. Mm-hmm. You're not really concerned whether or not you got to go to work or not. And it, you know what I'm saying? Because you got to think yeah. about the babies. Yeah. So I think that that would take out a lot of the politics out of it. I think a woman would come in using humanity and we'd be like, ah, we're not doing yeah. that. You know, gotcha. so. Well, speaking of women, we have an amazing woman that we have as our guest today. Oh, yes, we do. Yes. 
Um, and so we would like to bring her in today and um, get some information about dermatology and skincare and how it pertains to um, water and aquatics. Um, so let's have Dr. Alfred join us. Hello. Hey, how are you guys? Hey, Good Dr. Alfred. <laughs> Good to see you guys. All right. And All so, right, I have so. To, I have to chime in on your previous conversation. Okay. So as a, as yeah, a graduate of Spelman College, okay. Stacey Abrams was a year ahead of me. Uh huh. Um, okay. At school, so you should you should feel um, comfort in in Stacey's abilities, qualifications, um, and what she could potentially do as a VP candidate. But that's just an aside. Okay. <laughs> that's my yeah. Side. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I've been doing like my research and reading my books and stuff. Like, uh, and she I'm actually showing, has like, a book out now. Oh, okay. Here's a book out. Okay, cool. So I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna get on that and add it to my readings, <laughs> so I can be well informed. But um, but yes. Yeah, so we wanted to. Um, it was Adrian's idea. You are connected with Adrian. Um. But to bring you on because we we like to have different aspects when it comes to participation in aquatic activities, swimming and, you know, and what that means as far as just our health overall, holistically. And, you know, and that includes the largest organ, you know, on our by our skin. And so um, we want to get your advice. And so for our listeners, when we are going out and engaging in these activities, especially for, you know, um, I have some questions that I'll bring up later, but for like the black community, like what does that mean and how do we take care of our skin? So, okay. um, so could so you tell us a little bit about yourself? So, um, my name's Corey Alford. I'm a board certified dermatologist. I practice um, in the greater Atlanta area. Um, and I've been practicing for 15 years now. Uh, as I said before, I'm a graduate of Spelman College. I did my Emory, my uh, medical school at Emory University and my residency training at the University of Pittsburgh's Medical Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I treat all types of skin, but I definitely have um, lots of experience in skin of color. And um, I like to deal with lots of the long-term kind of chronic inflammatory conditions like psoriasis and eczema. And so swimming comes up a lot for the little kids that I take care of and some of the adults um, as we get into warmer weather and what they need to do for their skin. Um, anybody that's been in swimming, whether it's just recreational or if it's competitive or um, kind of more extensive exposure, you know what chlorine can do to your skin. So it really can dry and irritate skin on some level. Um, both skin and hair. I always tell people your hair is just modified skin. So all the things that can happen to your skin will happen to your hair as well. Um, and it does this because it removes the oils from your skin um, mm -hmm. and it disrupts your skin barrier. Um, I always tell people your skin is like a brick wall. The cells are the bricks and your body creates a mortar to hold it all together. The chlorine is able to intercalate in between the, the skin cells and kind of disrupt that barrier, um, which then becomes irritating. So people who people notice that they're dry when they get out of, the, out of the pool, depending on how chlorinated it is, you're not just dry, but you're really irritated. People talk about being very itchy. Um, mm -hmm. And 
even beyond that, once the chlorine gets into the skin, it can promote um, the production of free radicals, which are unstable chemicals that damage proteins and probably on some level promote um, photoaging. So it causes, oh. um, yes, so it'll age your skin prematurely if you're not being careful. Um, so being in the chlorine. Yes, especially if you add sun to that. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. so let's, cause you're, I, I, I tend to like, I think when we are talking about what we're doing as a profession, like we can talk about like the terminology and it's like, oh my gosh, but you know, um, can we talk about like what got you into? how did I get to Durham? Yeah. How did you, what it got you a, in? But for the grace of God, <laughs> that's, that's how I put it. So, <laughs> um, so I always wanted to be a doctor. Um, primarily because when I was a little girl, you know, everybody has their person. My person was my, um, my dad's mom, my Nana, she was my person. But when I was, um, probably seven or so, she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Um, she had a sore on her breast. So her breast cancer had eaten clear through her skin and was bleeding on a daily basis, but she only could confess that to my mom when she couldn't stop the bleeding. So she had horrible breast cancer. Um, mm -hmm. She underwent a double mastectomy and chemotherapy. This was the early 80s. So, you know, therapy has come far from, from what, what happened to her. But um, at diagnosis, she was go. she already had metastatic disease and was going to die from that breast cancer. But she still underwent lots of really extensive therapy, none of which I think really prolonged her life, but it did make her miserable. And mm -hmm. um she didn't want to be in the hospital, so we brought her home at her, you know, end of life. Um, and I sat with her when she was barely conscious and smelled of the dye, the cancer that was eating her alive. Um, and my parents couldn't yeah. explain it to me. They couldn't tell me why she was dying. They couldn't tell me why they couldn't fix it. Um, I'm sorry. Um, no. And... Uh, and so I said, I, I wanted to be a doctor because I didn't want anybody else to go through that. And so I never thought to be anything else. So I was eight or nine and I decided I was going to be a doctor. And I just kind of forged ahead with that as my my working plan. And um, and so I went to Spelman. I was a biology major. Um, and then I hit a bump in the road because as a senior in college, I had a baby when nobody mm -hmm. thought that you should have babies. And medical school is definitely not made for people with babies, especially not single black women with babies. And so my baby is now 25. She turned 25 oh. on Wednesday. So happy birthday. Um, so yeah, no, she's a big girl now. No, what happened to 25 years, but it's gone. <laughs> so um, so I took a couple years off. I did some research and all the research that I did was in infectious disease, interestingly enough, in the time of COVID. So um, I did some research on HIV, which was still very much rampant in the early 90s um, when this was all going on. Um, and I did some uh, research in uh, the E. coli that makes people sick when they get eat like bad hamburger, that kind of thing. And so when I went to medical school, I thought I'm going to go and I'm going to be in infectious disease. And um, that's a, I remember E. coli was a that happened at Whitewater. Yes, yes. So there was an okay, of, I remember that. Okay. Um, zero five seven one seven H seven, and it's a it's a it's a strain of the bacteria that that secretes something called shiga-like toxin, and it, it okay. it's the same toxin that shigella produced, but causes horrible diarrhea, 
kidney failure, especially in young people and old people. And you might remember there was a, a an Atlanta Braves player whose son contracted it at Whitewater and died. He was mm -hmm. a toddler. It was a big, big yeah. thing in the news. Because wow. they um, had to wear like they were promoting kids wearing like the the, 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 diapers. Um, the diapers things. Mm -hmm. And when I was a lifeguard, you know, life lifeguarding at the wives, mm -hmm. and we had to go through all these training and stuff. And yeah, I remember <laughs> it's a big that, yeah. deal. It really is a big deal. And it's true. It's it's it it is um, more common in ground meat because what when you cut a steak and you put a steak out, you the bacteria is just on the outside. So when you cook it, you probably kill all the microbes that are on the outside. But with ground meat, you like mix all the bacteria into the meat. And so when you cook it, you really have to get that temperature up to kill the bacteria that's inside the ground meat. And so it's usually ground meat. And then unfortunately, sometimes um, vegetables as a result of, you know, poor sanitation. But gotcha. so I was into that and I went to medical school and I survived medical school and I did pretty well. Um, and then when we started doing, when I had to go into the clinic and do my actual rotations, my daughter was starting kindergarten that year. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to do kind of the less intense rotations at the beginning so, so that she could get used to me not being around and that kind of thing. And so at Emory, um, at the time, our dean was Tom Lawley. He was a dermatologist. And so he required us to do derm. Many people who do, do medical school don't actually ever do a derm rotation. It's not mm -hmm. a requirement. It's a subspecialty. So unless you have an interest, you don't do it. But at Emory, we were forced to do it. And so I did it in the very beginning. And um, and I thought it was interesting. Like, I thought it was interesting that I saw children. I saw adults. I saw chronic things that, like, people had had for their entire lives. I saw cancer. I saw, um, you know, acute things that you see somebody once, you tell them how to fix it. They disappear. You never see them again. Um, uh -huh. But the the story that the the time that it really became kind of apparent that maybe I should consider this, um, we did our clinics at Grady, and they had brought down a gentleman into the clinic from who was admitted. He was HIV positive. He had some rash um, that he was coming down for. And when they brought him in, he got out of the wheelchair, was walking down the hall, and he was leaving little bits of skin all over the hallway, like behind him. And I was like, Adrian, fix your face. I was like, what? <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> okay. <Fix your> face. <laughs> and here I was like, what makes your skin fall off in the hallway? Like here I am okay. walking behind him, like, what's wrong with this man that his skin is falling off in the hallway? <laughs> and when we finally got to the room, like when we got to the room, the attending for the day said, you should consider Durham. And I was like, well, what makes you say that? She was like, look at your classmates. Everybody else had gone the opposite direction. <laughs> See? He was leaving little bits of skin. And he's, you know, it smelled bad and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. And so dermatology is super competitive. So here I was, I was a black woman, single parent, all got like, you know, to get a Durham residency is like a, the it's like one in 10 people that apply actually match into dermatology, oh, which wow. is, you know, the, the chances are pretty low. So I was like, I'm never going to imagine derm. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this. There's so few programs and all, you know, but people kept telling me you should try, you should try, you should try. So I tried and I ended up in Pittsburgh and I did my training there. And mm -hmm. then I realized that I do not like the cold or the gray. <laughs> so I needed to come back where it was sunny and warm. <laughs> and uh -huh. So my husband and I came back to Atlanta where we finished training. Okay. okay, awesome. So I met her because I met Dr. Um, Corey because I was at her house teaching her kids how to swim. Mm -hmm. and her husband and I got into a conversation about skin. I was saying something like, oh, I need to go see a dermatologist. And he was like, oh, 
No, my wife is wonderful. She's great. She just had an article in this magazine and she's one of the top black dermatologists. And I'm like, I mean, he was just so excited to tell me about her. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And I hadn't met her yet. I've only seen the kids and him. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well, I guess, you know, I'll meet her. <laughs> so <laughs> I think we met like once maybe. And yeah. I, mm-hmm. next thing I was in her office, but she was so thorough. Like she mm-hmm. had me to do... um blood work, which we found out, you know, was other things going on and being able to work it from the inside out. So she's like been amazing with making sure that I stay on top of things. Even when I don't put on my sunscreen, you know, she's to get, not that she hasn't given me a whole bag of it. Okay. <laughs> That's what, and we've had this conversation before Adrian, cause you know, I'd be like, um, I don't need sunscreen, but you probably mm-hmm. check me in with yeah, everybody needs sunscreen. Everybody needs sunscreen. Like, well, my doctor black, and she say we do. I, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably for different reasons. Okay. So interestingly enough, so so we are all trying to avoid burn. But you know, if you have a fair amount of melanin, like I have never had a sunburn, and I'm relatively fair, but I will brown up in a second. So you yeah. know, usually people feel like, well, sunscreen's supposed to keep you from burning. And so if I never burn, I don't really need sunscreen. So the truth is that the UVB rays are what causes you to have sunburn. And that definitely promotes the development of skin cancer. But the UVA Mm -hmm. rays are what destroys the collagen in your skin and what causes Mm -hmm. photoaging. So that's what causes wrinkles and that kind of thing. And if you look at pictures of like Native Americans, stuff like, you know, you'll see that they have those deep furrows and that kind of thing. So People always say, you know, you hear all the time, black don't crack and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was about to say, what about the but, black don't crack? That's not what? true. It'll get dry and dusty looking. <laughs> and it starts sagging. What about that? So, I think we do ourselves a disservice because we we tell people that. And so they don't seek out those things or seek out kind of good skincare regimens until it's too late. Then they're like, well, my my no one else in my family has this or my skin is changing and they're like I should just rub some more coconut oil on and oftentimes that's just not enough. <laughs> so I have a, so if you are like us who who are constantly in the water and around aquatic uh environments versus someone who goes occasionally to the beach like twice a year is there a ne- is it a necessity to then like can I can I be okay if I don't have sunscreen or so part of the part of the cr- with the chronicity of exposure so one of the ways to avoid all of that dryness that you experience as a result of the chlorine and the salt is to basically moisturize prior mm-hmm. to getting into the pool so or getting into the um into the ocean so so creating a barrier so creates a barrier it, it basically i tell people it's it's like um you can have it um it is it's like um with the brick wall it basically kind of like ices the cake it kind of protects all that from the outside and so i usually tell people that sunscreen is a great way to kind of especially when you're outdoors to kill two birds with one stone you're protecting your skin um, from the harmful rays of the sun and you're moisturizing it so you won't get as irritated. What most people, what I find that most um, people of color complain about with sunscreen is that they makes makes you look gray, right? They don't like the way it yeah. makes you look when you put it on. And b- that's because there's two different types of sunscreen. There's physical sunscreen, which is zinc and titanium. If you turn your sunscreen around on the back, there'll be active ingredients. 
So they're zinc and titanium. They are metals. They are inert. They basically just reflect the sun back, which is what gives you that crazy, you know, silver look when you put it on. The advantage of the metal sunscreens is that they are less irritating than the chemical sunscreens. So a lot of the sports sunscreens that um, that you see that boast really high SPFs and waterproof, you turn it around, there's things like um, avabenzone, oxybenzone, nexoral, there's all these kind of long chemical names and they work differently. They absorb the sunlight and then they're broken down. And in the process of breaking down, sometimes those byproducts irritate people. So mm-hmm. if you don't like the way that you look with the sunscreen, you can always go with a more chemical-based sunscreen to avoid the look. But you have to know that there's probably a very small increased risk of irritation from those. So like with people being um, vegan and having a lot of going towards the more natural mm-hmm. homopathic um, treatments, do you have natural so usually I will steer people toward the metal sunscreens. Unfortunately, I'm not a big fan. The chemical sunscreens, they have a place. Uh-huh. I, I usually tell people because some of those breakdown products, we're not really sure how much of that you absorb and what the long-term, you know, there's lots of controversy that um, surrounding that. And if you look at some of the European data, they have some concerns. In certain places you go, you can't use those sunscreens because they think it's harmful to the fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I often tell people to stick with the the um, zinc and titanium based sunscreens because they tend to be a lot less irritating, especially to small children. You'll find that most of the sensitive sunscreens yeah. are um, zinc or titanium based. Because um, I was in Target are... looking because my son they have water play, and mm-hmm. so then I put sunscreen, and I was like just try googling, yeah. looking to see which one was the best one, but yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things you you kind of give up some of the cosmetic appearance for, you know, we, my kids, I almost exclusively put them in, in physical sunscreen, zinc and titanium. Gotcha. And there's a bunch that you can buy now that actually, Sunbum has a, a um, like a whipped foam that come, that you can find that spreads really easily. Mm-hmm. It's not as shiny. It's not as gray as some of the others, but you have to look kind of hard to find it. Um you can also find tinted mineral sunscreens. Um, I usually am a big proponent of the tinted sunscreens for facial use, for like the everyday use um, as a moisturizer, because the iron oxide that they use to tint the sunscreen also protects your face from the visible light, which we think probably promotes pigmentation and photo aging. Um, we used to always just blame the sun, but now that you're watching people who are in front of computers all day and in fluorescent lighting, um, that actually is probably not, it's probably has some degree of harm as well. And the iron oxide, the s- traditional sunscreens don't protect you from the light on your computer or the light in the room with the iron oxide and the tinted sunscreen stuff. Well, that's a good okay. point. You don't think about that at the pool. You know how mm-hmm. most pools have those lights up there. And all. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think about it. It, um, you know, it, it's, not, it's something that's really become come to the forefront in the last like maybe five years or so. Mm-hmm. Primarily for women who complain about melasma, that discoloration on your forehead and cheeks that shows up in the sunshine. Sometimes they call it the mask of pregnancy. My mm-hmm. sister has it terribly. And I couldn't figure out. She's like an IT. She works in IT. So I'm like, you're never outside. You're, in a, you're inside and a computer all the time. Why do you have this? And it's literally from the backlight from all of the screens that she's in front of. Oh, so man. you still need to protect yourself from those things. So what about... Um, Cause I'm one of the, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm an aspiring, like I would love to be vegan at some point in my life, you know, but, um, but like the whole vitamin D 
and going and getting, vitamin the, D, going so. to into the sun and you know because I think like the the whole thing of well the sun is going to cause age you know it's like a contradictory type thing to it some people when they what you hear yeah. what you what you miss is that the the sunlight causes a conversion it causes a chemical conversion to the active form of vitamin D in your skin but you only have the raw materials to do that for about 10 to 15 minutes. So right. After about 15 minutes, you can't make any more vitamin D. So the people who were out there for hours soaking up the sun talking about they're making vitamin D. Yeah, that was that happened in the first 10, 15 minutes. There's more, <laughs> no more vitamin D to be made. So, so I do tell people, but I am a big proponent. So some dermatologists say never go out in the sun. I don't really agree with that for a number of reasons. Number one, um, it sets your circadian rhythm. Your brain knows day from night based on sun exposure or or blue light exposure. So at some point you need to be outside and you need to see the sun, right? That's mm-hmm, during mm-hmm. the daylight hours. Um, the other thing is it it can it affects mood. It affects your mood. Mm-hmm. And so if you get no good sunlight during the day, people become depressed. So you mm-hmm. do need to get out and get into the sun on some level. Um, being a hermit, it might save you from sun, skin cancer, but you will be vitamin D deficient. I at one point was terribly vitamin D deficient and had to like supplement myself. And I have a pool in the backyard. So um, <laughs> probably, you know, always in sunscreen, always, you know, so sometimes I do, I will go out there for a few minutes with nothing on, you know, just so I can make sure I'm getting some good, because your, your skin is much more efficient at the vitamin D production than mm-hmm. your body is at absorbing the oral supplement. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Um, and so I don't know if you had, did you have a question, Adrian? I was going to ask her another question. Go, go ahead. So with, with that, then I, is there a difference in the, the recommendations or treatment based on ethnicity or your race mm-hmm. of skincare? Um, or is it just like a, a like the, the slate is the same? So skin is often, um, skin is the same no matter who you are. The Mm -hmm. structure is the same, but I feel as, but what I recognize is that certain things are much more noticeable if you have skin of color. So I can have people who are fair, who come in dry as a bone and from the door, you can't tell. It's not until I get up close and touch them. If mm-hmm. that same person has skin of color, I can tell from the door that they are dry and that they like, are you ashy? Like, I yes. can tell you yes. ashy. Yes, yes. Like, <laughs> you are not doing something right. So, yeah, I don't know that the conditions are different, but but okay. what you see clinically is different. And then, in a response to that kind of irritation, skin of color will behave differently. So, if you have dry skin, irritated skin, skin of color will make these pigmentary changes as a secondary effect of whatever else is going on. So if you have bad eczema, my 14 year old, he is dry as a bone. And trust me, he has every lotion potion that you can imagine. And none of it ever touches his skin. I don't care what I tell him. So he has horrible eczema kind of in his, like right on his elbows. He plays lacrosse. He wears these elbow guard, these arm guards, whatever. But it will be inflamed. I will get on him to treat it. But in the after effect, it will either be terribly hyperpigmented for a period of time or terribly hypopigmented for a time. And Mm -hmm. so those changes tend to linger far longer than the actual acute event that ever happened. So you will see people who have eczema and their eczema has been quiet for a month or two, but they still are bearing all the 
discoloration that goes along with it. And so um, a lot of times it's not that the condition is different. It's just that the downstream sequelae are different. Kind of yeah. like your systematic views. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You can you oh. carry those scars forever. <laughs> yeah. You do. Wow. Look at that. And circles. I was thinking, yeah. I never I was gonna say something because I was thinking about something while I was doing my son's hair mm-hmm. and just about our hair and so now hair is the, different is different. Now that's different. Now okay. Skin. No, well, I was just thinking similar. about how she was relating it to just like the if I heard you correctly, like mm-hmm. the systematic stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and so I was just thinking, like the kinkiness of our hair, the process that we have to go through to maintain our hair is completely. It's different. just like it's, but it's it's like the struggle. It's like a struggle, just like it's mirrored in our life, right? <laughs> yes. No, and I was just thinking, I was like, you know, like and him as a black boy, what is he going gonna go through, you know, throughout life? And I was just thinking about that. While I was trying to come picking through his hair. I was like, you know, I'm just gonna cut your hair. <laughs> but I was like, no, you have. I don't want to cut your hair. You know, I don't know. But anyway, that's another. No, thing. sadly, my fourteen year old is the same way. He wears this like his hair super curly, and he likes it's to wear it like thick. super long and thick. And yeah, thick. The the like, is like, that is really that brush that they're sending on selling on Amazon. This detangling brush. Have you seen? Yes, that? and it's that is, yes, it goes. With, <laughs> yes, it is the yeah. greatest thing ever. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But like he doesn't want to cut it. He just wants to. Grow. At one point, he had me dye it, and it dry, and then he mm-hmm. swims all that dried it. It was like I was like, this is not. So <laughs> hair yeah. is now what what happens with hair is definitely different because the structure of the hair, depending on your curl pattern, is very different. So if you mm-hmm. look at the size of hair, so if you look at the the size of the hair shaft that changes based on ethnicity. So like Asian hair is big and smooth and straight. Um, and it is very resilient to things. Um, Caucasian hair is smaller, um, but still the, the cuticle is very much intact and it tends to be straight and, and can resist damage. Coily hair, because it coils and you have those, those sulfide bonds that kind of keep it in that coil, it's almost like if you took a tree and bent it into a coil, what happens to the bark on the outside? And so yeah, that is similar points. to, the, so you get those weak points. And then unfortunately with chlorine exposure, that is a great place for the chlorine to kind of get into the hair shaft intercalate and then cause dryness and, and, and breakage and all that kind of stuff. So, so hair is kind of a different thing. And then you have to think about the things that we sometimes do to our hair um, to straighten that out. So when, you know, when people are, whether it's heat or chemicals, when you go to straighten hair, it has to break all those bonds. Those bonds then have to recreate themselves straight, but that weakens the hair overall. And then if you color the hair, the way that color works is if you lift the color, it basically sucks the color out of the shaft. And then you have to and then you redeposit. So then that's like punching holes in the yeah. surface and it weakens it as well. So if you put colored hair in the pool, you have already it's a mess. Um, yeah. yeah, you it's a mess. <laughs> yeah. Colored hair in the pool is a problem. It's a mess. <laughs> yeah, so um so what about we talked about the outer 
like, you know, topical solutions and lotion and things like that. But what about what we can do, like, from the inside out? Adrian mentioned that you talked to her about that. Yeah, we're going to catch up. So, so good skincare is, is often, so your skin is, is primarily protein. So I tell people, if you're looking to make sure that your skin is healthy, you need to be getting an adequate amount of protein. Um, and that doesn't mean, we, you know, you were talking about aspiring to be vegan. That does not mean that you have to be a meat eater. You can get plenty of pro- protein from plant sources as well. Um, but I would tell people that you want to make sure that you get at least 10 to 20 grams of protein per meal sitting in order to have enough to drive that. Um, uh, recently, you've seen uh, there's been like this explosion of these collagen supplements that you can find. You can find collagen pills and you can find collagen powders and things like that. Sadly, collagen is only plant is only animal based, so there's no V. Uh, one was at at um, I don't know a Whole Foods or something, and some woman was like, "I want vegan collagen." I was like, <laughs> Lord, "Collagen is made by animals. You cannot find collagen in plants." But um, but it was kind of funny. But you can find if you're looking for something other than it doesn't have to be collagen. I don't know that call that ingesting collagen itself because collagen is what makes your skin really promotes better skin. I think if you just get enough protein, you're probably fine. Um, and you will see things like hair, skin, and nail vitamins. And the things that are often boasted in hair, skin, and nail vitamins, one of them is biotin. And for many years, we were pushing people to take massive doses of vitamin, of biotin, which is a B vitamin. Um, we don't, I don't push it as hard anymore, primarily because there's some evidence that if you're taking a lot of that, it interferes with testing about your thyroid function and cardiac enzyme testing. And so if somebody's taking massive doses of biotin and then they go in with some other problem, it may affect that other testing. So we usually tell people to shoot for any, for, I usually tell people to shoot for about 2,500 milligrams or 2.5, um, 2,500 micrograms or 2.5 milligrams, depending on how it's labeled. Um, other things that are helpful for your skin are B-complex vitamins are off, often helpful. Um, you'll see pantothenic acid, zinc. Um, and I usually do tell people you want to make sure that your vitamin D levels are, are adequate. I find sometimes when people have hair loss and I can't figure out what it is, if I check their vitamin D, sometimes it's low. Um, mm. I don't think it causes hair loss, but I think it may impair recovery more than anything else. Um, the most common thing that we see kind of affect people's skin hormonally twofold is thyroid disease. Um, mm. That's something that typically gets looked for in your annual you know, annual physical if you have one, um, but it would, low thyroid would also be accompanied by constipation, fatigue, those kinds of symptoms. For women in particular, the reproductive hormones can affect the skin. And so if you have imbalances in the reproductive hormones, you have women who have hormonal acne in adulthood, you'll see excessive hair growth or hair loss, um, depending on what, what the problem is. And so um, making sure that you keep track of those things is also helpful. Gotcha. And it is because like um, mine is hormonal. So like if I drink alcohol and I can go to Dr. Alfred in between sessions and I'll go back and she'll say, what happened? So I haven't admitted it, but it because I might have drank some alcohol and (laughs) it is like, oh, crap, you know, so I am learning that I can't intake you know alcohol like that because what it does do to me hormonally and it makes you know it does affect my skin i think um 
your diet, I think we don't talk enough about the impact of diet on your overall health. Um, diet on skin, I see in the acne realm, um, the glycemic index of your diet. So people that eat lots of sugar and soda and candy and all that kind of those things are pro-inflammatory and they often will cause women to break out with acne. Um, dairy, I'm not sure if it's, you know, we used to tell people it was the hormones in the dairy, but now I think for, for some people, um, milk proteins are inflammatory and that will give them trouble. I see that with people who have eczema and psoriasis and people with acne on occasion. And then just processed foods overall. I think the chemicals that are in our foods um, to make them hyper palatable and kind of addictive, like there's a reason you can't eat just one potato chip. It's because they engineer them that way. But the things that they put in them to do to achieve that are terrible for you. And I think that- We are eating food like product. Exactly. Like not real food. Yeah, it's not food. It's not. Um, I tell people if it grew out of the ground or it had parents, it's food. If mm -hmm. it's in a package and has a laundry list of ingredients, that's not food. Yeah. Um, and if you can't pronounce anything in your package, don't eat it. And the other day I was I was looking at something. I forget what it was. But there is a, a, a chemical that's often in like skincare products called propylene glycol, but they often put it in food too. I'm like, why am I eating the same stuff in my lotion? Like there's, oh, there shouldn't, yeah, those two things. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Be careful what you eat. It will affect you in the long run. Yeah. Good. All right. Um, I have one last question, but Adrian, if you had a question. Uh, go ahead. I got your question after you. Go ahead. Um, so I was just going to ask if there were like maybe two or three tips that you would give like a, a avid swimmer or someone who was engaging in aquatic activity excuse my stomach sorry <laughs> engaging in aquatic activity and wanted to maintain healthy skin and a healthy skin regimen what would you what what would you suggest for them so there are a couple of so there's kind of before swimming and after swimming things that i could, i would recommend so interestingly enough Everywhere you go, there's a shower before you get in the pool or you know, mm -hmm. not necessarily at the beach, but sometimes even at the beach, there's a shower. Yeah. If you wet your hair and skin before you get in the water, it's actually protective. Oh. So just being wet before you get into the chlorine or the salt water in and of itself is helpful. If you have particularly sensitive or dry skin, so if you're getting into the indoor pool and it's not outside in the sun, you should moisturize before you get in the pool because that creates kind of an oil barrier. Um, and there are actually some products that they make that are specifically designed with like um, kind of chelators or like things that will bind up the chlorine. Shea Moisture has one. Oh. Um, so there are some for your hair and there's some for your body. So there's one called Diva Stuff Pre-Swim Aqua Therapy, which is a lotion that you can buy to put on. And then Dermaswim pre-swimming lotion is another one that you could put on before you get in the, swim, in the pool. Um, if you're going to be in the ocean, if you're going to be outdoor swimming, I tell people, just put on your sunscreen. And your sunscreen will act as that moisturizer um, in order to protect your skin. And then when you get out of the, out of the pool, you want to rinse off kind of immediately. You want to remove as much of that chlorine as you can. Don't let it sit on your skin. I tell my swimmers all the time, like, don't hang out by the pool in your wetsuit. At least rinse first and then hang out um, because it tends to accumulate in dry skin. 
Now, not the chlorine is not all bad. Like it's good because it does kill some bacteria that uh, kills the bacteria in the pool, but sometimes it kills some of the bad bacteria on your skin. So when kids have eczema, I tell parents throw a little bleach in their bathwater and it smells like pool water when you get in it. They'll say, why would you do that? I'm like, when you get in it, you'll see it smells like pool water and it basically kills the bacteria on the surface. That's that old remedy. Hold on, I was about to say. (laughs) (laughs) I know my cousin Mm -hmm. used to do that, and we would be like, we putting bleach. We would be cracking jokes. Yeah, we would be going in, like, and we would be like, well, it's a slippery slope. Like when I tell people to do it, it's a quarter cup of bleach (laughs) in like a bath full of water. It wasn't a crazy amount, but just the fact that he was putting it in there, we were just like, what is he doing? Yes. Okay. Apple cider vinegar. Um, no, apple I cider, the problem is the apple cider vinegar is more irritating. It'll burn more. The right. bleach doesn't burn when you do it. So, but on the far extreme of that, I have known at least when I was a little girl, there was a little girl that I went to school with whose mother used to like bleach. She would rub her with bleach. Now, bleach is very caustic. If you mm. put it directly on your, if you've ever like put your hands in the, you know, trying to bleach something because it was dirty, you know what it can do to your hands. But there yeah. is this kind of twisted thing where people are trying to bleach themselves with the bleach. That's a bad, bad, bad idea. Is that so like the skin tightening? That's mm-hmm. a whole nother. People, yeah, that's, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> it is. I've seen documentaries, but, like in, yeah, especially like the Caribbean dangerous. and stuff. Yeah, they would yeah, wrap yeah. their skin with yes, a bleach. plastic and yeah. And yeah. It's not. And it's, they were like, oh, then it would burn. And they were like, oh, that's just doing its job. That's good. Oh exactly. That's the, yeah, no, I have, I have seen that. But yeah. but yeah, so it's just a little bit of bleach. In your okay. <laughs> so when you get out, you can, um, you want to rinse off and then, you know, shower immediately. The other thing you can do is you can make a vitamin C spray. So vitamin C will bind up the chlorine. And what you do is you literally like crush some vitamin C tablet and put them in a spray bottle and spray yourself down after you get out of the, out of the pool. Um, that's one thing that can help. With regard to hair, there's a couple of things that you can do. So you can more so, so if you are not one to get your hair wet in the pool, a swim cap, like just wear a swim cap. It'll protect you. It'll keep it dry. You don't have to worry about all this. But even women that wear a swim cap, I often will say you want to put like some kind of conditioning agent around the edges because, you know, it slides up and some of that hair will get wet. Um, If you're going to not, if you're going to forego the swim cap, I would, I usually recommend, especially if you have curly or coily hair, that you put some kind of leave-in conditioner on your hair to coat it and protect it. Um, Shea Moisture has a product for it. There's one called um, So Cozy Swimming Spray that you can find that's particularly marketed to kids. And then there's one called Phytoplage Protective Sun Veil that you spray on your hair. So those are three that I've, I have used and seen because my, you know, Adrian taught my two littlest to swim and my little one, she's like a fish and she has really curly hair and she don't believe in nobody's swim cap. She's not wearing nobody's swim cap. Um, and she'll be out there for hours. And so we've had to kind of do some things because her hair just it just dries it's like straw by the end of the summer mm-hmm. so we've tried some of those things um so you can put that on beforehand again rinsing when you get out of the pool but you need to really if your hair is colored you should definitely have a um a, a shampoo for color treated hair because it will bind up that chlorine and help to protect your color even if your hair is not color treated you do want to look for a, like an after swimming shampoo and conditioner um 
if your hair is thicker and requires more moisture, you likely will have to use an additional conditioner along with the sun conditioners. The brand that we're using right now, what's it called? Summer Malibu Sea Swimmers Wellness is this like a green, that's what Sydney uses now. But after that conditioner, I have to add like a shea moisture or some other kind of heavier conditioner on top of the Gotcha. So one last question about, we did, we, um, it crossed our mouths quickly, nails. Mm-hmm. So I know they get brittle in the pool. Uh, you know, people have like the other things like the um, acrylics and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have any recommendations for nail care? So nail care, if your nails are covered, then you're probably okay. It's mm-hmm. it's really when the, because those, if you have acrylics or you have, I keep that like SNS stuff on my nails. It's mm-hmm. occlusive. So you might get some exposure on the underside if they're longer. And there is a nail conditioner that I like to recommend. It's called Derma Nail. It's made by a company called Summer's Lab. You can order it on Amazon and it has an accompanying hand moisturizer called Cutamol. So you can, if you have nails and, and they're occlusive, as they're growing out, you can, you basically, it looks like nail polish, but it's not shiny. It soaks right in. You would want to kind of treat the nail bit, like the new nail and then the undersurface to keep them supple. Nails behave just like your skin. They, they mm-hmm. it's, it's collagen. It dries out. It gets brittle. It breaks off. Um, most of the patients that I see that are complaining of nails, it, they have a second level of injury. It's not just the pool. It's usually dishes and like mm-hmm. house cleaning that get your nails in bad, bad shape. Okay. And so those are two things. Gotcha. I cool. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Alfred, for coming well, on for here. I do have one last question, though. So we okay. did have, we, well, let's, let's circle back to the beginning of our conversation. Okay. Just your opinion, taking a poll. Mm-hmm. If there were a woman in the White House, what do you think would have happened to coronavirus? Do you think, um, what, what so do you think? I think that New Zealand is a great example of what happened. Oh, New Zealand yeah. and Germany are great mm-hmm. examples of what happens when women are in control. Um, women uh, are less likely to need to maintain their own position. We are, we are congregators. We, we, we believe in community and we know when we don't have all the answers and we're willing to go and find that. Right. Right. And so New Zealand is a great example. They have a a woman prime minister who has like young children and they have Mm -hmm. managed to control this from the very beginning. And part of it is knowing what it's, the most important thing to know in life is what you don't know. Right. Listen, when and you know you don't know nothing. Know, yeah. <laughs> find the people that do and listen to them. Right. And then the more you think you know, when you real, the more knowledge you start to gain, you realize I don't know how much you don't know. And yeah. like I don't yeah. know nothing. Yes. The yeah. only thing yeah. that knowledge treats you teaches you is how much you really don't know. Yes. And, so, and then being okay. Yeah. With not knowing. With, with not knowing that you don't know everything. Yeah. So, and this is, and, and, and this could, a lot of this could have been averted. So in defense of the initial response was we, this really is a novel virus. We do not understand so Mm -hmm. much about this coronavirus. We thought it was a respiratory illness. And then we found out that it, that it attacks the blood vessels and it causes clotting disorders and multi-system organ failure. And so, so what we've, you know, in the beginning thinking it was just respiratory, make everybody stay home. We didn't also realize that it was different, that different from SARS, the the SARS that was um, in Asia, that SARS was only people were only contagious at the point that they got sick, that they felt sick. 
So if you felt mm-hmm. sick, you stayed home, you stayed people. But this whole thing, people don't feel sick at all and they mm-hmm. are infected. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many things about it that we don't understand. And, you know, I hate to say it, but this pandemic has revealed so much about um, racial disparities, economic disparities, patriarchy. I mean, you name it, it has come to fruition in this time. But there was a German scientist who was female way back in February who made the assertion that there was asymptomatic spread of the virus. Then there were some other scientists who decided that they didn't think she knew what she was talking about. And they mm-hmm. took her down. And had we had that information in February, then perhaps we would have behaved differently. So, yeah. Just lying. Like the future is female. <laughs> and, and they, and they talk, yes. And I think this, we talked about this in another show too, like how I think this 2020 is like the, it's like a year of like enlightenment and like a level, like a level of consciousness that we didn't tap into. I think partly, I think part of having to like sit still in your stuff has revealed a lot to people, Mm -hmm. not only about what's going on in the world, but also about like your own stuff. Like when you had to sit home and be quiet and not do anything, I think that that, that yeah. is going to be big for, I think it was big for me. I hadn't sat still in 25 years and I had to sit yeah. still for the first time. And that was, that was enlightening. I was like, wait a minute. I hadn't thought about some of this stuff in a long time. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I, I think that um, no matter what you believe or we have, we were, we as a world and people and human going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And this is correction. This is, right. this is what is stronger and bigger than us telling us, y'all better fix this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Absolutely. I agree. I agree too. Nature's always going to win. win. Regardless. Yeah. Yep. Oh. And nature's not kind. Watch National Geographic. Nature, Nature is violent. We have <laughs> and you have to evil. <laughs> and even and and when like the discussion about water and how mm-hmm. water is like a lot is life, right? Yes. And 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 has healing properties, but it can be it's destructive, and mm-hmm. and and we have to respect it. To get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so just knowing that and being aware of that and respecting that is just in all nature is ne- is necessary and vital. And so, yeah. Well, thank you again, Dr. Alfred, for coming on here and joining us conversation. Yes, thank you so much. Enlightening as usual. Alrighty, thank you guys for having me. It was my pleasure. All right, no problem. Thank you guys for joining us on this episode of The Swim Culture. We will see you guys in our next episode. Take care, meet us on the deck. All right, bye guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Swim Culture Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can get involved by following us at the Swim Culture on Instagram and Facebook. See you all in the water.